Yeah. yeah. That meal was. I, I think I might fall asleep. It's hefty. <laughs> it's hefty. Yeah. I might fall asleep. It, in the it was delicious, though. Oh, yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah. It was just the right amount. I just have a little leftovers. I need a tall glass of milk. I have some milk if you want milk. Maybe in a bit. Two. I'll get two phlegmy. Then, yeah, then you'll get phlegmy. Yeah, exactly. I think every single episode I go through, I get like a, there's like always like a moment of frustration because <coughs> one of us, mostly not me, will make like a burp. They'll burp. They'll make a phlegm sound or they'll, or they'll like do the most disgusting throat clear possible <laughs> every single episode. And I have to leave it in. <laughs> it is you dinner have, with a movie. I mean, come on. It. That's true. Come on. It's I mean, you don't turn you don't turn into tune into a podcast called Dinner with a Movie and not expect a couple burps here and there. It, yeah, we got to show the, the the pros and the cons of, yeah. of of dinner. It's part of our thinking process. I we think, need to know how we get to the end of the podcast. I think mostly it's Jose's gurgles. It's probably most the burps are all you, Brandon. The burps are all me, really? They're mostly you. <laughs> do I do that? I'm gurgling, not burping. That. <laughs> yeah, because he can't burp. I think it's you, and you're just blaming me. I just tried to burp, and I couldn't. I think that proves that I don't normally do it. Science. I know you farted last podcast. I didn't. It didn't catch on the on on the. Uh, yeah, it did. <laughs> no, you can totally hear it. I listened to you it. You can totally hear I listened to it. I, it you not. can totally hear it. I listened to it back. It didn't do that. I know my farts, Brandon. <laughs> so does everybody else. Oh, yeah. Anyone, anyone's ever been in a room with me knows that. I think we really bring a lot of class to movie discussions. <laughs> so thank you all for... This is the one and only movie podcast in existence. Yeah, right. The yeah. only one. It's the classiest, too. Yeah. <laughs> I, think... Ooh, I definitely just girled. <laughs> <laughs> um, if Liam Neeson... Um, I had a very particular set of skills in this universe. I think that might make for a very good and glorious bastards movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's big guy. He's a big guy. He is a big yeah. dude. I was like, fuck! Like in the scenes with him next to Ray Fiennes standing next to each other, mm -hmm. he's a tall guy. Mm -hmm. Oh, is it Rafe? Rafe. Rafe. Yeah. Okay. That was Ralph. He's from. Fool myself. Where, where do we say he's from? He's he's from Hogwarts. Northern Ireland. Northern is it Northern Ireland? Yeah. So I guess mm -hmm. the L is Rafe. Rafe. Yeah. And, it is spelled and, Ralph. Yeah. But. And Liam Neeson's from England. <clears throat> Why didn't they get uh, native Germans? The actor well, that uh, Steven Spielberg wanted for Liam Neeson's part was dead. So. He went with Liam Neeson instead. Oh, did he die? Schindler. No, he Schindler wanted a very specific not... guy from like. Oh, but he was never alive. No, no, he in wanted the, a very specific actor from like the 50s and 60s right. to play him. And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm never going to get him. So Liam Neeson's the best <laughs> second option. Like like a young actor in the 50s and 60s that would have been older? No, like an actor that was dead. Like they were older in the 50s and 60s. Like so a, he wanted oh, a 120 year old person to play exactly like essentially him saying like if I could pick anybody I wanted it'd be this guy right right but I can't so Liam Neeson is fine if I could pick anyone I wanted it'd be this guy right here out of my nose <laughs> I could not tell you who it was oh well that's okay you don't have to I did spend a couple hours reading the trivia for this movie because there's it's so dense I didn't read a single bit so you'll have to definitely hit us with that I didn't that. I didn't read anything either. I just know I just Schindler was not <laughs> actually German. 
Well, he's he's Czechoslovakian, Czechoslovakian of right. German origin, but right? he's German. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he was Czechoslovakian, mm-hmm. German, a Czech German, which interests me. Like the the German conquest of Austria and Czechoslovakia, knowing how like a Czech a native from Czechoslovakia could be so he- heavily ingrained into the Nazi Party is the whole politics of that era was fascinating to me. How that could happen, and someone could trust like that because you always think it's so tight-knit and so small right but it it did allow them to encompass that but there were there were germans in czechoslovakia there mm-hmm. were there were those very um those nationalist pockets. groups yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah they had like support and like everywhere mm-hmm. yeah which is part of the reason they were allowed to prosper as as much as they did yeah Even yeah in the united states Oh, modern. Still <laughs> modern going on. Hits, yeah. Yeah. You hate to see it, but. You would think we'd grow up, but we never do. I can only imagine it getting worse, honestly, with with just the pure ability of misinformation and propaganda of the Internet. Like yeah. Holocaust denial is stronger than it's ever been. Yeah. And, the- and that's because of that. I saw an article this morning about kids trying to convince their parents to stop being QAnon supporters. Oh, God. Yeah. It's like these kids who are like socially and politically aware at a younger age than most kids, I think, were ever politically aware. And they see their parents just falling victim to this. These conspiracy theorists. You know why? It's because it's because the kids have grown up with the Internet Mm -hmm. and they know what to look for. Right. And and what's bullshit and what's not bullshit. Mm -hmm. They, they, They more or less learn, learn how to fact check stuff and find out sources very early on at a young age, younger, younger than what I was ever taught and then they know how like facebook and that is trying to trick you and yeah and they don't use facebook and Mm -hmm. stuff so whenever they see their parents fall victim to this stuff i'm sure i mean i i have two parents that are three parents that two are on the internet and i'm i'm pretty sure that they have fallen for total bullshit and one just watches fox news all day so you know she's falling for total bullshit so yeah, it's it's sad. It's sad. Right. And, and it's one thing being our age, seeing our parents and seeing like, OK, that's <laughs> like that's dumb. You know what I mean, Brandon? Yeah. <laughs> the, the yeah, I but, totally but understand. I mean, but the but, other, but, the, but the you know why like, I'm laughing. Yeah, I know why you're laughing. But, the, you know, the point of the article being like these kids are like 14, 15 years old and realizing that their parents are just all they know is a load of shit. <laughs> yeah, and they fall in victim to it. Like, it's not. They didn't grow up with the internet. They don't know how to look out. For they don't things. know. Yeah. They don't know. They think everything's true. I mean, it's sad. And it's sad to like lump them all in, in, in one, one group and generalize like that. But, but for the most part, it's true. They, they fall victim to just hearing the same fucking bullshit over and over again. And then it becomes true. And it, which is sad, mm-hmm. which is really sad. Speaking of sad. So uh, you why know are what? we here, Blake? This is Dinner with a Movie. We're here to discuss a sad movie, Chandler's List. I'm one of your hosts, Blake, and I'm joined by my fellow host, Brandon, and we're joined by Jose. And yeah, like I said, Chandler's List, uh, our second uh, Holocaust-related movie that we've done within the last <sighs> month, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's uh, <laughs> it, it's it's all the hat. It's all the it's 
it's all the jar. It's not our decision to do that. The but, jar speaks for all. <laughs> yeah, but I would say it's very fitting uh, to talk about this kind of stuff now. So uh, we're not we're not very well versed in how to discuss things seriously since we're mostly a comedy podcast. But it's nice to talk about this now and then. So yeah, yeah. Um, this movie was chosen by Jose. It was explain um, yourself. I had seen this a long time ago. I I was probably too young to have seen it. And so watching it felt like watching it for the first time. But I always think it's important to watch movies or that these types of movies are made, but also to watch them. And I, especially now, I think it's you. I think I spent a lot of my time thinking, oh, there isn't that many Holocaust deniers or things like that. Mm. And, you know, watching this, I can see. It reminds me of the mentality of people were in at the time that led to the Holocaust happening. And I can see that being replicated now in, in politics and people on Facebook. And, and so I think it's important that these movies are watched and discussed. And so I thought it'd be something interesting for us to, to talk about. But do you really think that I'm going to sound like a total douchebag, but do you think that people that aren't inclined to value life and value people um, that aren't like themselves. Do you do you really think a Nazi is going to watch Schindler's List or a white supremacist is going to watch Schindler's List and and repent for what they believe? Do you think it's going to change their mind in any way? I don't know. I don't, I I don't see a, it. I think if a movie is made. And it changed one person's mentality, one person's thought process about that. The world's a better place for it, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to change every white supremacist mind or something. No, I'm not saying that. I, I mean, like, like, what if, like, maybe somebody that's on the border and, like, their kids are trying to explain to them that they're being racist or that the Holocaust did happen. And maybe they watch this movie and it clicks for them. Like, that, that for me, that's been the the appeal that movies have have always had what it could inspire you to think or change your thought process or, or simple things like that for just an individual you never know how a movie's gonna affect anybody yeah but i think if people aren't inclined to that change that something like a movie is not going to change them they would right. look at they would look at the movie like oh well you know they made this movie it it's a Jewish man making a movie about 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 World War II and of course it's going to be all about saving the these Jewish people right if you're at the point right. where they're, you're denying they're, the Holocaust they're this movie not, does nothing it's for not you. it's yeah, yeah it's not gonna it's not gonna do anything so movies like this are made for people like I'm gonna group us together and say us that. <laughs> need to be reminded and like i i don't i don't mean that we actually the three of us need to be reminded but people need to be reminded of how bad bad can actually fucking get like Jan january 6 was was a bad thing but it could get fucking worse so watch this movie and know that you can't let this kind of shit happen again yeah, I, I don't think you sound like a douche at all for bringing that up, because I think that's a genuine question. And it was kind of a part of what I was talking about when we were talking about Son of Saul, where I had asked, what are we supposed to get out of this movie? Because a lot of the lessons I think that are taught in these types of movies are are very important. However, do feel like it's preaching to the choir to the type of people that would yeah. approach this movie. Um, but I, I don't think that would mean any 
any recollection or depiction of history should be um not made because the bad guys of oh, that no, story I'm definitely not saying it shouldn't be made right right um but but the purpose of that i think thinking about the type of people that it should reach shouldn't affect what story you want to make or the importance right. of a movie yeah and um, i also think it's still important to tell these stories even for people like us you know it's it's important to remember the things that have happened right right it's important to learn about history Mm. and if movies are the easiest form to consume that type of media then i think movies are perfectly you know adequate way to do that even you know it's right it's not like well, like 9-11, it was constantly never forget, never forget, never forget. That's ingrained in the minds of Americans. But kids born after 9-11 don't, don't even know what exactly. 9-11 is. So I'm sure the, the Holocaust is one of those events that needs to be remembered yeah. to prevent it from, like you say, the stuff that happened at the Capitol could lead to other things. But it's But in some form, watching movies like this or learning about history allows people like us to recognize the signs of these insurrections or things like that and attempt from them ha- or to prevent from them happening again. And specifically with this movie, I think it is very purposeful and not only showing like son of Saul is the final, the final act of that horrible situation shown in its entirety. This movie is very much about the people who who were on the sidelines of it as it started happening and um, didn't really care, specifically Schindler, who not only didn't care, but profited off of it until a certain point. Right. Um, which I think is very important because you look at the end result, you see how extreme it is and you see it and you think if you were not in during this time or during the time where people were talking about it, it it seems impossible. It literally seems impossible for a human being or a large group of human beings, a country to stoop to this level. But seeing how it starts, it becomes much more clear and and uh, possible, I think, right. which I think is, is what this movie does so well in One the beginning. The, um, I watched an interview with uh, Steven Spielberg regarding this movie. And one of his uh motivations behind making the movie was to show how often people ignore atrocities like this and how many people probably knew about the holocaust while it was happening and nothing was done about it and and yeah and so you know it's one of those things you you know bad things happen and Sh- and Schindler in the movie benefits from these bad things happening and for the longest time you don't bat an eye yeah well let's move on to some facts about this movie jose not so fun facts not so fun facts all right well it could be there could be some fun facts oh fun facts about the not so fun uh facts i have fun facts about liam neeson's height if you want those yeah i want to know how how tall he is Uh, he like like seven six or something no he just looks that tall (laughs) uh and his hands look he is, he is larger than life. <laughs> yeah. He is a larger than life man. In the yeah. scene where he like uh he's like holding a cigarette, he has his arms like his fingers interlocked, his hands look huge. But if anyway. he was in a room with you, I think you I would be intimidated 
to the point of running away. Right. Especially those <laughs> shots where it's like it's it's underlit harsh lighting where he's just staring at someone with like smoking a cigar and it he looks intense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Liam Neeson is six foot four and Ray Fiennes is five eleven. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Which I feel like mm. it looks like there's a bigger height difference in the it, movie. That may have that. been on purpose yeah. as well. But yeah, Schindler's List came out in 1993. Its runtime is three hours and 15 minutes. The director is Steven Spielberg, who has done a lot. <laughs> um, Jaws, Indiana Jones, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, you, Saving Private Ryan, E.T., and the screenplay was written by Stephen, I don't know how to say this, Zalian, I believe. Mm. He wrote the screenplay for The Irishman, uh, Searching for Buddy, Bobby Fischer, uh, Moneyball, and a couple other things. Hannibal, oh. yeah. Hmm. Those are my not-so-fun facts. Oh, those are pretty fun, I'd say. Yeah. Um, Blake, cinematographer. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't know how to pronounce it, so forgive me. Uh, Janus uh, Kaminsky. Uh, he is pretty much a cinematographer and everything else that Steven Spielberg's done. Um, recently he's done The Call of the Wild with Harrison Ford and the horribly CG dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Nicki Minaj Chun Li video short. Um, Ready Player One. <laughs> the BFG. <laughs> all the other ones that Steven Spielberg's done. So yeah. Fantastic cinematography in this movie. Oh, it's it's beautiful. Um the lighting is pretty. Mm-hmm. And and black and white is so interesting because you don't have to make it Black and white, you don't have to make feel like light is really coming from somewhere. Like at the night scenes when when Schindler leaves at the very end, it's it's bright as hell. But you don't really care because it's black and white. As long as the scene's lit and it looks purposeful and artful, you, I don't I don't really care where our light's coming from. I think that Liam Neeson sh- he he should just walk around and just have his eyes lit. <laughs> like just, just, like, the just like a line. rectangle yeah like on his eyes like all the time like there should be some contraption that follows him around even in his house if not that mm-hmm. at least the lower half of his face yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> stare at everyone across the room while they're partying and look creepy yeah weighing I, his options i know mm-hmm. he was relatively unknown when he was cast for this well yeah what had he done beforehand I can't um he was sure. in a theater production that Steven Spielberg saw and decided to cast him from. Really? Mm-hmm. So this was his breakout performance? Essentially. That's know. very interesting, especially looking back on it. Because I always seem like Liam Neeson just seemed like a, always a household name. Because, I mean, uh, the first movie I saw him in, I think, was Taken. <laughs> I probably I saw fucking him in, love Taken. <laughs> uh, Phantom Menace is probably the first movie I saw him in. Oh, right, right. Okay, really? no, yeah, I saw that first. Really? For some reason, I forgot. <laughs> yeah. That the speaking of his height, uh, Phantom Menace had an additional couple million added to its budget because when they made the sets for that movie, they only ever made it as tall as the actors. And Liam Neeson, I think Ewan McGregor's five foot ten, and when Liam Neeson was cast at six foot four, they added an additional couple million in having to make the sets taller. <laughs> wow. That's impressive to have to go through all that. Just mm-hmm. make him shorter. Make him get on his knees. 
walk around on his knees with like his shoes attached. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk about the color, the use of color, um, and specifically in like the candles, which was right. interesting, mm-hmm. uh, especially like at the end where it, that's all that you see is just the the little candle lighting. And um, yeah, in the beginning where it starts in color and then it fades to black and white. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. then the red, the red dress mm-hmm. is the only other use of color in the jacket, movie. The jacket, mm-hmm. the jacket. Mm-hmm. red jacket, the yeah, jacket, yeah. Seemed seemed to me like a, at the beginning at least it was, I guess the colorfulness of of, because it's a Jewish prayer, right? At the beginning, right? It's, it's the beginning mm-hmm. of the Sabbath. Sabbath, Sabbath. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I I I think that really just shows that that's really the light in the darkness in a way that that was um. Right, uh, especially in the in the in the later in the movie, at the end of the mm-hmm. movie, when you see the candle, because it's 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 like the colors being oppressed throughout, and then mm-hmm. when they finally get the chance to 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 have the Sabbath, then they you get to see the color finally come out. Um, and then the red in the jacket, I think, was just nice symbolism. It was nice to see like the innocence of it, and kind of Liam Neeson's just kind of that was that was the thing that's that the, like that's a turning him. point for yeah. him, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And you would never know if if that cuz we see it whenever she's been dug up and they're incinerating the people. Right. You would never know if that was in black and white that that was a red jacket. Mm-hmm. So it has to come back somehow. Um so he he knows that that's that little girl. Um I I like I like that they put that in there. It it brings a whole it it, it brings meaning to him. Um, because you can look at him and say, well, this guy is just profiteering off of these Jewish people because one of his first lines is, why why would I want to hire Poles for more money when I can hire Jews? Mm-hmm. Right. They cost less. And he has that frustration meeting his worker that's like uh, super grateful for him. Whenever I, on my first watch, on my first watch, I was annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> I I was I was I was totally annoyed, and not 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 because of the worker himself, because he's he's a very he's a very sweet man, mm-hmm. and he's depicted as a very sweet man, and knows um knows his virtue uh, uh, of being hired in this factory, um because I don't like it when people thank me or um. It, it it's like embarrassing. Like, I don't want to, you know, thank yous enough. You don't have to gush all over me or anything. If I do something wonderful, I did it because I wanted to do it. Not because I want you to gush all over me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I'm really embarrassed whenever I, I, I get something, uh, an award or, or something, or like I have to stand up in front of the class and speak. It's embarrassing to me. So, um, I was embarrassed for him and that's, that's where I got it from. Um, but on the second watch, I focused more on the man. And then whenever, you know, whenever it shows his little snippet of story, um, and the Jews being forced to shovel snow on their way to work and then being harassed by the Nazis and then him, because he only had one arm, couldn't really shovel snow. And then picking him out and saying, "Oh, come, come here! Oh, yeah, you're you're an essential worker," which which was strange to fucking hear, right? <laughs> um, and then taking him and just just murdering him. Mm. Um, 
how 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 can you justify how could anyone justify even in a time of war taking someone that may be older but you could tell that he was just innocent and sweet just this sweet innocent man and shooting it's it's unbelievable to me it's unbelievable to me and I, i'm i'm um it's emotional it's emotional to me and uh, I could only guess how emotional that was to Steven Spielberg to to shoot that and put it in the movie and have all of these people working on the movie and knowing what they were. Yeah, it was, I think production was 72 days. And that's quick to me. Yeah, yeah. that seems short. It, it was, it was, uh, they even did it. They finished early, two days early. I think that's that, that passion. I think the passion is there. I really do. He, yeah, it's like, you know, the fact that Spielberg wanted to, another director to do this originally, like he didn't think he was qualified to to take on a story like this. He wanted to pass it off and nobody wanted to take the story. Like they no nobody thought they were good enough to do it. I mean, when he finally committed to it, he deliberately when he went to the studio to get it made get it made, he asked that he made Jurassic Park first, because he made that in the same year. He made that first knowing that how draining the production for this movie was going to be on him and that he wouldn't be able to make a movie after that for a while. So that, that was the deal. You know, he knew what he was doing, signing up to make this movie. And he said every day after set, he would go home and watch Seinfeld episodes. <laughs> and that's what made him like lifted his mood. And he got, he got Robin Williams to, come on set and make people laugh and all that because he knew how daunting it is to tackle something like this. Yeah, I I don't think I could ever direct anything like this. I think it would be too emotionally draining on me. Um I don't think I would ever be able to get through it. That's that's amazing. We didn't talk about what food we ate. Oh no, we didn't. <laughs> no, <not>. yeah, <laughs> we could. Um We'll throw it in before the rest of the discussion. Um, oh, shit. We didn't eat the pineapple. <laughs> <laughs> Did you find a pineapple? Well, yeah, it was just like the, the package. Uh, stuff. Okay. I can go grab it. That's okay. <laughs> um, Post podcast snack. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the healthiest part, too. Um, <laughs> yeah. Brandon. Brandon cooked us some. Um, what is it? Polska kielbasa. Polska kielbasa. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was delicious. And some and onions and potatoes, um, peppers and potatoes. Yeah, it was delicious. And um, that's a part of the uh, the gift baskets that mm-hmm. uh, Schindler Polska, sends. Polska kielbasa. Um, and then we had Jose pick up us a nice German chocolate cake. Yeah, very um, delicious. Yeah, amazing with all the coconut goodness. Very rich. Mm-hmm. And that is the cake that the workers at Schindler's factory gives him for his birthday. Mm-hmm. Um, when he gets in trouble for kissing the, the kissing woman. Kissing the woman. Um, yeah, I hadn't had a German chocolate cake before. But it was good. I didn't know there was coconut on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's tasty. Yeah, it is tasty. Mm-hmm. Coconut's not too overpowering. Mm-mm. Yeah. And it's a good one. And then the kielbasa was... Mm. Delicioso. Yeah. But like we said, a very hearty meal, a very hefty meal. I'm feeling it now, Mr. Krabs. <laughs> already, already falling asleep. <laughs> portions, boys, portions. Yes. What are they? I don't know. 
I'll be honest, I didn't realize it was Ben Kingsley until the second viewing of the really? movie. Yeah. <laughs> he is He's... such a wonderful yeah. actor. Mm-hmm. I, I've heard his name everywhere. And then um, when I saw this, I didn't know who he was. And then I, I saw it and it was Ben King- Kingsley and has finally put the name to the face. I'm not great with actors, as you know. Um, or characters. Or characters. <laughs> characters and actors' names, yeah. But but Isaac in this movie was... Um, he's the star. He really is the star. It should um, be his movie. It should be Itzak's list. <laughs> or Stern's list. Stern's list. Yeah. Because um, he, he really... And, and ima- imagining having to do the amount of work that he does throughout this movie under the threat that he is through the entirety of it is incredible. And to think that, that, um, he was able to not only once the list was made itself, but before that save so many people by, by putting them in, in the factories at, at the, um, at the ghettos and also at the work camp is yeah. Stern incredible. I want him to be my daddy. He plays the part in a very subtle way. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't draw it. To, he lets Liam Neeson really shine. And I think it's to the benefit of the movie. He, he knows exactly what role it is that he's playing. Like this background character who's doing all the work and is, is it going to get a lot of the, uh, praise of it except from Schindler in the one scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are only two times where I really saw him show like emotion. It was like he was an emotionally drained person um, or a person who just had this even temper that got him through. Um, you can tell whenever he's whenever he's taken by um, Amon to be his accountant, secretary, yeah. accountant and um, he's trying to tell oscar where all of the stuff is in his desk and he's like going through it all because he doesn't know when he's going to be taken away and oscar just can't keep up with him because he's he's not he's the panache man right he's not he's not a businessman um and he just can't keep up with who's who's getting what bribes and where everything's located to make sure everyone's getting what's coming to them so they don't shut down the factory and and you can tell he's just sitting there and he's frustrated frustrated right. he's just frustrated with oscar and then at the end um you see that that emotion in him that it shines through it's subtle um but you see it and he is just a wonderful wonderful actor the scene where they share the drink together that really yeah. hurt me watching it was yeah, yeah, like like you're saying, it's subtle and and to see Liam Neeson, to see Schindler develop as a character throughout the movie, I think is is done really well. Yeah, and Schindler and and Stern in that scene, I think, because the 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 little girl with the red jacket was was a major reason for Schindler changing his mind, but also I think Schindler was trying to tell him, "This is going to be over. You're going to be okay. You're going to get special treatment." um preferential treatment um but then i think seeing stern actually take the drink and cry while he takes the drink was probably as as much an eye-opener saying that because i think him and everyone else that isn't directly involved in in the nazi party is convincing themselves that it's not as bad as it looks that it's not going to be as bad as it seems and i think 
he really had to have something that really told him, you know, you need to take drastic measures because this really is worse than it seems. This is worse than it looks. And yeah, um, seeing emotion in, in Itzak at that moment is shocking because um, he's always been the the I'm going to do the work and I'm going to have a straight face while I do it and I'm going to make sure that it's done. And then seeing him shaken like that um, really at the final moment just has to be um, eye opening for Schindler. Um, I, I, I going off of what you said about Schindler's kind of progression, uh, his progression of what he views um, the Nazis treatments of the Jewish people as is just as important, I think, as the horrible events that do happen, because like we were saying earlier, um, Spielberg's intent for this was also to show the people on the side who let it happen, who profit off of it. And every every single step and, and the Nazi party did not come to power because they were smart. They came to power because they were they were more brutal than others could and their enemies were weak or didn't believe that what the worst could be could actually happen people people czechoslovakia austria france england they all didn't think they were gonna do what they said they were gonna do and they were able to manipulate and get themselves on top because everyone was the way schindler was they say this is all happening, but it's going to be okay. We're going to make good business off of this. It's going to be fine. And then at the very end, when it's far, far, far too gone, um, people like Schindler who were in the position that they were, were the only ones that were able to make a difference if they chose to. Um, so it is such a, a cautionary tale of uh, this is going to get to the end point much faster than you can even imagine if that ever happens again in history. And yeah, I, the history of Nazi Germany is, is very scary because you know, it could happen again very easily. I think. Right. Yeah. And, and Schindler feels all of that, right? He feels the, the weight of profiting from it at the very end, right? His, his, his final, his breakdown at the end of the movie. It's like the weight of all of the, all of that, the fact that he profited off of it, the fact that he just stood by and let it happen for so long and he could have saved more people. He, he feels that pressure at the end of the movie. And well, he is focusing on the people that he couldn't save more than the people that he did save in that, in that instance. Right. Um, because everybody, everybody signed the letter explaining how, how he helped them. Um, so if he was stopped, they wouldn't, they wouldn't kill him. They wouldn't, they wouldn't try him. They wouldn't, you know, he had eyewitnesses as to what he did. Um, but in that moment, you know, it's like in that moment, he didn't care about that. He, he only cared about the people that, that he, he couldn't say. Right. He could have done more. And, but even, but even, even, um, the scene in the the camp with the women where she's telling the story of that she heard about Auschwitz and um going into the showers and that they weren't really showers that they were that they were gas chambers and they were killing people 
Um, and the other women were like, nah, they wouldn't do that. This is kind of what you were saying. Nah, they wouldn't do that. Why would they kill their workforce? You know, that's just, and how, how would they know? Because if they were in the showers then they would be dead, they wouldn't be able to tell you this story. Um, plausible deniability, I guess, right. uh, believing, believing that it can't happen probably allowed them to live a little longer or, or live, um, maybe a little happier without the the thought of dread of the end coming at you. And in, in all those conversations, and you see it throughout, even from, from the ghetto in the beginning, everyone's constantly saying it can't get worse than this. We're, we're when they were saying right before the raid of the ghetto, they were saying the ghetto is, is liberation. We're, we're free. We're, were I had a nightmare last night that I lived in a small room with 12 people I didn't know. And when I woke up, I lived in <laughs> I lived in a small room with 12 people I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, th- and they're joking about it. They're laughing about it. And, um, and I really I really love those scenes. That that is that is a way to cope. That's mm-hmm. that's pe- that's the way a lot of people cope. Um, a lot of a lot of Jewish people that I've known that I've met through the years, they do laugh and and cope in a way that that is that is through comedy. Um, I do that. I, I make fun of certain people in my life and (laughs) I make fun of certain situations in my life because, um, to make fun of it is to say it and state it, but not be pitied for it. You want people to acknowledge it and, and laugh at it and not, not pity you for what happened. Um, so they, they laugh and you get a laugh about it and you move on. Um, to me, that's much more healthy. Right. And when they're talking about the, the, the showers and how they're like, yeah, that couldn't happen to us. You know, there's this level of extremism from the Nazi party that you're like, they can't, they don't do that. Right. Like you, you, you stop and you can imagine what other people are like, oh yeah, there's no way they're killing millions of of Jews right now, but, it's, and, it's but like they are scene. getting it from Amon. They are getting mm-hmm. they, they. It's right in their face, right? But and so, like, my point being is regarding the worker with the one arm. You know, you you sit here and you think, how heartless do you have to be to just kill a man who has no control over? You know, he's a he's a simple and caring man who who wants to work. And and we sit here and we think, you know, how can you get to the point as a human being where you can do that to somebody else? And you're like, oh, that doesn't happen anymore. You know, well, that's, you've, you've always seen it no, in it history happens. that that anytime that sort of thing does happen, it's because someone has convinced themselves or a group of people has convinced themselves that another group of people are not people. Won't steep they, to that level. Yeah, yeah. well, the the only way I, I, I genuinely think unless uh, unless an entire group of people are genuine psychopaths, which I I. I think you have to understand the other group as not humans. And, and that is what they did. They, they, especially the, the scene between Eamon and, and, and Helen, where he's saying, they say you're rats. They say you have beady eyes and, 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 um, he's trying to convince himself for somehow that she's not like the others that for some reason, he wants to keep her. He doesn't want to have her the let her have the star. It's 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 entirely about a mental state as to this person's not a person except the one that I want to not kill. It it it's crazy mental gymnastics to to convince yourself that they're so far 
different than you that they're literally not humans and i think i I really think that's the only way a large-scale thing like that can happen um i I mean you see genocides like that all over though and Mm -hmm. and well so so there's not always is true and then there's the aspect of level-headed people thinking oh that could never happen again Mm -hmm. right so so it's partially the mental gymnastics of the perpetrators right and then it's partially people just not thinking that these are crimes that we're capable of doing well it's also too um the 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 people that are level-headed that come out and say you know we should really watch this shit they're chastised they're chastised for going out and say you know what we should really we should really watch this because this is going to lead to something bad and then they're like oh yeah they're just running around you know like like chicken little the sky is falling the sky is falling right you when, you hear it now and they're called fear mongers exactly yeah. exactly and and it's 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 so unbelievable that that ignorance is bliss i guess right if you don't um if you don't know your history and you're ignorant to it you think oh this this has never happened before we don't know what's going to happen we don't these people don't know they don't know um they can't read the future oh please like like people are going to invade the capitol building and then when it happens (laughs) they're like that wasn't that wasn't so bad there's no way we could have predicted that and yeah, that, that's what you hear all the time, right? Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. There's no oh, way. There's no way. This was there's no way anyone telegraphed that. Whenever they're showing, you know, <laughs> tweets that say, "Let's meet up on the sixth and go to the Capitol building. It's gonna be fun." When people bought plane tickets to be there on that day, yeah, from all I mean, over the country. Come on, come on. Right. They're just blind. They're just blind to it. And I'm not. I'm not comparing anyone in the United States to to the Nazi Party, but shit fucking starts places shit starts places and the first the first to sign up are the ignorant people that don't that don't think it's gonna you know they're only looking out for their their own interests they're they don't they don't consider other people and that's exactly what happens well it didn't start with the nazi party either Jewish people have always been have always oh, been no. viewed as yeah. utterly like that, and, and that, oh, I think yeah. that's what's important I mean, the, the as well. The Russians that, kicked them out of Russia, exactly, and I and I think that's an important bit of this that that not only it did, it wasn't just it didn't just start with Nazi Germany and you see that, and then you see the slippery slope of Nazi Germany. It, you look at it in the entire picture and see how a a race of people was viewed for the entirety, and and it starts really. It's it's a Normal. group of people that have and been persecuted it, for their entire history. You know where it starts? It starts with Christianity. That's exactly <laughs> where it starts. And blaming Jewish people for killing Jesus Christ. And 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 I mean how I mean, religion is the most how long can you, you carry can around two thousand years of made up hate? I mean I mean, really, come on. When when it has to do with the savior of your soul, when it has to do with with the biggest um, reckoning of your own life, then I think that's what so can allow someone to do this. That. You have heard of the Ten Commandments, right? <laughs> 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 they're beloved by Christians just as much as they're beloved by the Jews, right? Because they're in the Torah. Um, it does say thou shalt not kill, right? There's not an, an asterisk there that says except when. 
uh, people don't agree with you theologically. There's always a justification. Or, right. there, there's it, it, no the justification. That, but that is that is what God right. said, right? Am I not correct? I mean, you're right, but you're no. preaching the choir. But here. see, but see, this, this is what gets me about war and and all of this stuff. If people beware false prophets, because a false prophet will justify anything to you. They will justify killing other people. They will justify, you know, whatever. But if you are a Christian and you have a moral compass in Christianity or a moral compass in Judaism, those Ten Commandments should be held, you know, kind of, kind of to their word. You know, I'm not sure there, there's a couple in there that are kind of wacky. But, commandments but even, yeah. what's the what's your least the, favorite commandment well, there's one where you can't you can't uh you can't cook uh you can't cook uh a baby animal and its mother's milk or something and there's another one where you can't mix materials is that part of the Ted commandments yeah yeah i, I think that's part of the i don't know yeah, there's commandments there is there one where you can't have sex with your neighbor's wife is that one of them Thou shalt not covet, covet thy neighbor's. See, that's yeah, kink covet. shaming. I don't like the Ten Commandments. <laughs> <laughs> well, covet, covet is a covet is you know that that's like you you shouldn't you shouldn't lust after um someone who is already married. They are taken and they are married, and you shouldn't. I live next to the Red Rooster for a little bit there. Kink shaming, Brandon. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, well, it's yeah. Well, I I'm not, right I'm not saying, club. I'm not saying the Bible stance on kinks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but the, I think ultimate point being, Brandon, is across religions and cultures, you know, Christianity, uh, Judaism, Islam, Buddhism, the rule is to treat other people with respect and be kind, right? That, that's the that's, that's exactly that's until, a teaching across every single religion and un, culture until someone disagrees with you and then right. it's okay to persecute them <laughs> but the nazis weren't they weren't in, they weren't religious people they they no it's all about economics they weren't the, the well their religion was certainly not any initial established religion the the nazi you've, the you've, nazi religion of the catholic church backed the Nazis. They destroyed the Catholic Church in Germany. When they took over, they they put their entire the Pope, new church in the, there. And the Pope never talked against him. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not saying that they weren't aided and abetted by religions and Christian religions in, in the state, but I'm saying Nazis themselves, I, I don't think they were exactly very religious so, people. So it was the atheist army? Well, no, no, I think the point I, being is they you may can have been religious, say, but they were not pushed by religion is what I'm saying. You can say no, I'm not, I, I might be wrong. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. But that's my assumption. I, that's probably a wrong thing to say. I don't know. Well, I mean, no, I mean, I mean, I mean I'm coming at I'm coming at this from from the angle of getting rid of. I mean, we 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 see six million Jews killed. There are other people that are killed in the Holocaust in Shoah, right? Right. Um, the gay people, um, those with uh, disabilities, mental disabilities, disabilities in general, um, that were German <laughs> as well. So yeah, but six million of those people 
were strictly Jewish people. They weren't any other religion. But you're right. right. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I didn't know if that was your phone or if you were but farting. Ultimately, <laughs> you know, they they were killed because of their religion. Yes. But they weren't killed because the Nazis religion told them to kill them, I think is what you're trying to say. Right, Blake? Yes. I, I, can, I, I, I can see I don't that. Think it was Nazis in general were Christian. OK, I, I'll, I'll take back what I said. That was that wasn't exactly but an educated. I, I think to statement. like um, add on to that point, you hear that shit now. Right. You hear you heard people support Trump for his whatever policies he's had. And then they justified his atrocities or whatever by saying he's a good Christian. It doesn't but matter. He's not. Right. Right. But that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't matter. Right. He's not doing anything as long as they because got of his Christianity. As long as they got what they wanted out of him, they could turn the other cheek and and not call him out on his his lying or 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 even take into consideration the 20 plus women that said that he sexually assaulted them over the years. Um, That's that's the kind of stuff. That's what I'm looking at. That's 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 how I'm coming at this, that that it's it's very easy to. Um, to be a religious person and then justify something like killing people, declaring war on a people and killing them, even though your religion says not to do it, or even though your moral compass says not to do it, or your ethics say not to do it. And I just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I would be the first person to die in a war because I, I don't because they probably listen to this podcast and want to come after me, <laughs> but um, come after the, the libtards that we are. I would be so angry. I would be so angry. And a, a lot of a lot of this bile coming out of me now is is anger at at the way things have gone. Well, we're just a stream of conscious of anger and burps and farts, essentially. <laughs> yeah, that's that's because of our dinner tonight. Oh, you couldn't on. hear that. You couldn't hear come that. On. <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk about uh, something around the movie. I don't know. Do you guys have anything? Yeah. Um, yeah. Move on a little bit plot wise. Uh, we didn't really talk about Schindler's rise in the beginning um, before the ghettos were created. Schindler has a charisma that I only aspire to have a quarter of one day. <laughs> Like walking the, in a party knowing no one his he presence came. on screen is just so captivating mm-hmm. to me right right but but the real schindler came with absolutely nothing mm-hmm. right and made a name for himself by by treating i mean what he's doing at the beginning is he's schmoozing all of these people because he wants he wants to get in good with them because whenever he pulls off whatever deal he's going to make he's going to he knows that he's going to sell it to 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 the Nazis. He's going to be selling stuff to the Nazis and that's where the money is. Is the assumption that he's taking the, like the money he's collected because like he's digging through his drawers, right? Is it, is it a soup or at least I assumed or interpreted that he's taking the last bit of money he has and like just using it all at this one party to make the connections he needs for the rest of the movie. That has to be it. Because yeah. he, he said he had several failed businesses beforehand. You have to assume mm-hmm. he had some capital left over from that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, he was a spy. 
He was a spy yeah. for the Nazis before he came. Oh, he was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. Is that said in the movie? That's not no, part of the movie. movie but that's okay. not part of the movie. So what did he, did he go to other countries to spy or um, I don't know like... if he was a spy in Czechoslovakia or mm. or exactly what he does, but but I know it says mm-hmm. it says in his his bylines and stuff that he was he worked as a spy for mm. the Nazis. Yeah, I can imagine him being like a a spy in Czechoslovakia as they were trying. Yeah, to Yeah, because take of it. his his charisma and right. his swagger, right? His um, he had no business no help at all, but he knew what he wanted. Mm-hmm. He had that panache. Every business I, needs that type of man. He came. He came. He came. With a suitcase, um, and he left with with a trunkload of money. No, two trunkloads of money. That's what <laughs> more he said. than any man could ever spend in a lifetime. In a lifetime, yeah, right. Um, and he, he's very obsessed with, I think, comparing himself to his dad at least, and and the, the amount of success that he gets from there, because that seemed to be his well, only purpose. That's what he was telling his wife. Mm-hmm. Is that my dad had what fifty employees at his rise, and well, I have three hundred and fifty. Yeah, <laughs> like like um. So that made him better. Yeah. I think he, um, whenever he finds Stern and, and I'm not the, the, the movie kind of glosses over him being introduced to him. He just like, he goes and finds him in the movie. Um, I thought that he, um, he knew about the failed business, the enamel factory and knew that Stern was the accountant for them. And then that's why he went to go look for him specifically, because he already knew the dealings from the enamel mm, factory. Yeah. When it, like, when it was previously owned or operating. Yeah. But anyway. Because he may yeah. not have known exactly how to run the business, but he definitely, he, it, it is, it's fun to see him kind of piece it all together at the start. It is his connection and connections and his swagger that makes the business succeed. Mm-hmm. His, and his, he knows that he mm-hmm. tells Stern that he tells he tells him I I I don't know business. You're going to run the business. You're going to take care of all this. I'm the face. I'm the I'm the you know I, I'm I'm the one with the panache. Right? Um, he knows he knows his limitations, mm-hmm. and that's why he gets so like I mentioned before. That's why he gets so upset whenever whenever Stern's taken away from him mm-hmm. because he's he's forced to deal with all this stuff and he doesn't he doesn't even want to do it he stops writing partway through he just stops writing like i'm not gonna fucking do it i can't figure this out even if i try i can't do that Mm -hmm. i don't like this i don't like it i like go i I like playing parties with with amon that's what he liked he knew how to play the game and get him where he needed to be using Uh his money and even at the end, when he had his vinyl factory in Czechoslovakia, he continued to pay the bribes. And, and I think it takes a, a real kind of person to to know who to bribe and how, especially when he's trying to get the, the woman out of Auschwitz. I, I think not any person could go there and negotiate that successfully. Right. Um, he's a, a very successful negotiator. And not take no for an answer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he could have walked away with the 300 other people that had gone in but he, he could have just walked mm-hmm. away with the money mm-hmm. and left everyone out out to dry mm-hmm. right right um and and transferring the people from that were sent to auschwitz instead of the factory the kids mm-hmm. um going to bat for the kids he goes to where the kids are and says no what are you doing i need these i need these see these little hands they shine the inside of artillery shells. I, these are essential 
people to my business. You can't have them. And he gets them on the train. He he has every conversation that is, is so matter of fact for him. Like there's no ounce of hesitation of, of hesitation mm-hmm. or doubt when he speaks or when he asks for anything yeah he goes yeah. In, he's like i'm gonna ask for this and i'm leaving with it well, and, it helps and i'm gonna his... get it and if i don't get it you're you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna pay him trying to get stern off the train off the train exactly yeah. that's, oh, a, that's a great that's example great. of yeah. that what what's your name what's your name writes it down who's your boss <laughs> it's your boss what's your name what's your name writes it down i hope i hope you're 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 comfortable working in where, where Russia, southern, southern Russia, I think you said southern yeah. Russia, which is southern Russia all that bad? Probably not be, as cold. Wouldn't it be kind of nice? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't think know anyone wanted to Russia, work in yeah. Russia though. I don't know. I don't know what's considered southern Russia because they, they they were probably like scared of Russians in general. Yeah, probably because <laughs> Russians were were angry and yeah. mad. Yeah, uh, during that time, yeah. But um, he he uh. It, it definitely helps that he has the most scary low voice when he gets mad. <laughs> Specifically when Eamon's saying like, oh, they're they're just the people. You're losing the people. It's not bad. You can't be making that much, losing that much business. And then he just like yells, they're mine. And just when you hear that, it's like, oh. Or, or, or when Eamon <laughs> is, uh, is drunk and, and Chanel leans in, like having the power conversation with him, the way he leans in and just, oh. Give mm-hmm. me chills watching it. Yeah. That whole conversation. Yeah. It being a big guy with a big stature. That really would get to, gets you somewhere. He really well he really plays that well. Mm-hmm. He really plays that well. Uh we haven't really talked about Ammon and Ray Fines and Oh how yeah. God. Much hatred I have for him as a character. It's his <laughs> it's his it's his practice for being Voldemort. Right. right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nazi wizard. <laughs> This is this is Voldemort's dad right here. Absolutely. <laughs> he uh, he is uh, a fuck. If you could describe him. You 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 texted something while you were watching it. I think said, I, I think like, I just said he's a cunt. He said, I think you said he was a filthy cunt. <laughs> <laughs> God, he just I because I wasn't kind of the same boat as you, Jose. When I first saw this, I was way too young to really like i i i had heard of the holocaust and and then seeing this is kind of what i what i had assumed had happened but watching it now is is much more um much more educating from my age as to see the how it happened and rafe specifically like i knew he was a bad guy when i was a kid but but seeing just the especially the conversation he has with with um with Schindler about what real power is and seeing him try to be the king the pardoned king but then seeing his true how much of a filthy cunt he really is and just going right back to killing and oh because the last per- who's the last person you see him pardon is the kid himself in the mirror oh oh yeah. oh i, I, I didn't catch that <laughs> i didn't catch that yeah he pardons himself uh-huh. okay so i can do whatever i want now because i pardon myself i thought he was just like putting on a show for himself but that makes a lot more sense yeah Fucking asshole. well right when you see him the 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 engineer that comes to him and says you need to tear the whole foundation of the barracks down and 
he has her killed and has them do exactly what she said. Um, yeah, yeah, I know why he did that as as uh, looking at it, looking at it from an outsider looking in, um, not not just because, you know, he he probably I'm going to say probably believed that that Jews were beneath him um, and not human. Um, but having, having someone of that stature come up and start yelling at you, your first day on the job being in a prison camp, um, she's, he's subjected to her screaming. That's the first, that's the first thing he hears is her screaming. And then her running and chasing after a German soldier, yelling and screaming at him, telling him what needs to be done. Now, quite possibly, would she have died if if she would have if she would have came up to him and said, "I'm I'm very sorry, but this building is not is not going to be stable. We really need to." Instead of screaming at the top of her lungs, and he he may have he may have looked at it a little differently. I I don't but, know. I, but I, the, think but proves, I think he proves. I think he proves very often that that's the, not the case. The situation that posed itself right off the bat with her. She didn't she did not deserve to be be murdered in any in any way, shape, or form. But but I think there was a level of um maybe at that point of erecting these buildings that um she was taking ownership in it. She was she wanted to make it the best thing that they could build um to prove their worth. Mm. Um so of course she's gonna about be passionate often, about. Yeah, they do talk often how they 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 do the, view themselves even at the worker camp as valuable workers for as, the German army. Right. Yeah. As valuable workers. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and so of course she's going to be passionate about it. And she's mm-hmm. going to say, this whole thing needs to be torn down. They, they screwed the foundation up. We got to rip it out. Right. Um, and, and coming at him in that direction at that, in that way, probably just set him off to where, and I, you I, have to I wonder. We're not. He he says we're not going to argue with these people. We're not here to argue with them. We're here to run this camp. And if you have someone coming at you like this, just get rid of them. Do it because it needs to be done. But get rid. Of, get rid of it. You don't need to put up with this. In in at that point, I'm assuming um, the engineer. She must have the expectations of what the repercussions for that at that point were absolutely not established yet they hadn't had right. the massacre at the ghettos they hadn't because been it was workers his first hadn't, day there right and the rumors of auschwitz and everything weren't exactly established anywhere so i i don't think she had any reason to believe that that was what was going to happen especially because they hadn't had those types of people in the even, ghettos even the officers that were there were kind of shocked like mm-hmm. he went to grab her and take her somewhere else to do it he said no do it here and he sets a precedent for them doing it too Mm. He said he tells them that it's okay for you to do that. And he tells all of the Jews in the area that see it done, or they're going to go talk about it being done, that this is what's going to happen to you if you open your mouth. Mm. Um, Very, very, very powerful scene Mm. to me. I, I, you don't capture like so many variables in one scene like mm-hmm. like that scene does uh and murdering his murdering just outright serial killer 
bell tower murdering mm. of people uh, that were, you know, the, the, the lady that was squatting in the middle. I didn't know if she was peeing or if she was just resting with her wheelbarrow out in the middle of the field, shooting her whenever she stood up. And his frustration when the gun doesn't work and he's trying to. How lucky that, was that guy? Mm, That's that two angle, guns. Like <laughs> yeah. shooting up at like, cause the camera's like facing up at him, right? Just the frustration he has on his face. You know, he just wants, that's all he wants in that moment to, to murder this man. And he can't, it's. Oof. And yeah. And he grabs the gun from the other and, and it doesn't go off. How, what a God protecting moment that is. And, and that's the rabbi at the end, right? The, yeah. Yeah. That's that the rabbi. The rabbi. And, yeah. and he turns out to be, I think I, I always love seeing him on screen. He, he exudes such a nice like energy from him. Mm -hmm. Um, the hopeful energy yeah, yeah. despite everything mm -hmm. and forgetting for a rabbi to go through all of this and forgetting what day it is mm -hmm. that it's the sabbath and for for oscar to give that back to him go you should be preparing for mm -hmm. the sabbath and it's one of those things you don't think about you don't think about the fact that you're going to lose track of time the days and how long you've been in these conditions yeah. you know you you lose that yeah. And and you don't stop to think about the things that you lose. Like, you know, you lose your freedom and it you you know, you don't think about that. Um your your sense of time is something that you lose as well. Yeah, and Schindler gives it back to him. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's I think that's that's a powerful scene to me. Yeah. Not and I'm not a, a religious man at all. <laughs> at all. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm not I'm not a religious person. Well, I don't think you have to be religious to, the, to know the importance of those customs for anyone. And 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 um, the loss of power and the ability of a person to give give back at least uh, an ounce of that um, of that freedom back to someone is is very, um, very moving. Yeah. The scene that I think had me just. Trembling is the is when the train full of women show up to to Auschwitz and you don't know what's going to happen to them. You just, you know, they're getting their hair cut and, and watching that again. I, I don't think I remember that from like when I watched it as a kid, but watching it now, the first time I watched it, watching that scene, I'm just trembling and I'm, and I'm, and I'm watching it. I'm just afraid and nervous and just, and only probably an ounce of what they would have felt in that moment, mm. you know, not like in, in real life. It's not because she's told them about Auschwitz mm -hmm. and the showers and exactly what they have gone through. The hair being used to submarines and yeah. And yeah. Given a bar of soap and, and told they, to breathe more because, because the there's medicine in mm -hmm. the water. Um, yeah, uh, hearing that, denying it, and then being put in that, that position, position, you have to know that all those women were were just terrified, just terrified. And then you know, and the lights go off, and they all just start screaming. And see, to me, that's 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 the Nazis are the people that are in charge, fucking with them, like yeah. just instilling terror in them just because they can. Why why did they use actual showers? I I I was under the impression that they didn't house people in Auschwitz. They did. Or, they did. Yeah. So I guess seeing Son of Saul, like I they go right there and then 
some of Man. them were so it, it depended on the timeline i think of the war if i remember correctly mm-hmm. there's a point where they were taken there to be housed and i think as the nazi party realized that the war was coming to an end they accelerated the the killing the killing yeah yeah, yeah. Cause yeah, I guess the, yeah, the son of Saul version is, is it's much more of a killing machine mm-hmm. seeing the multiple loads of people being immediately put into it. That's yeah. what I was, well, that's see, what those, I was expecting. Those people were the people that were leaving Amon's camp to make room for other people coming in. They were being taken there and just put to death. Huh. The kids, whenever they, whenever mm. they line everybody up for their for their physical to make sure that everyone would was healthy the health check and undressing everyone and making them run around naked and then loading up all of the kids and driving them away that broke my heart seeing them wave as they're being driven off because they have no idea Mm -hmm. they have no idea and then the the following scenes of the little boy running around finding all the hiding spots then and, and jumping being, down into no, the toilets no, yeah. and being and told to leave being told to leave we're, we're we're hiding here you can't hide here we're hiding here could he even get out i don't think you'd be able i don't to know get how out. well the only way they can get out is with help from from mm. a, a person someone needs to come and get them yeah. but even even though if they've rounded up all of the kids they're going to notice that there's kids running around afterwards that's what i had i, I, I was curious about because um, because the that little boy and then the little girl with the glasses um end up going to czechoslovakia mm-hmm. uh, how did they handle i'm convinced that they knew that they were hiding and they were just letting them stay for an for another semblance of hope they could take away later mm. like that quite, that, that, quite possibly that, yeah that's just yeah, the game the nazis played right leaving that sounds them with like the smallest margin of hope mm-hmm. just for them to rip it away at a later date yeah it is the impression that i was under mm. or rip it away from them mm-hmm. yeah i i think um as as after all the awful things you see this entire movie it it is really nice to be to have following these various groups of of people that end up being schindler's jews and um in the end end scene where you see them in in real life um it's it's just nice to see there are these groups of people and these families that are going to make it and seeing them at the very end in the factory um is so like you need that (laughs) you really need that at the end of this movie because being able to follow someone throughout this journey and knowing that they got out okay especially so many people and so many people that they were able to flesh out just through side conversations um especially those two kids is very pleasant after all of it the um them placing the rocks on his tombstone gets me Mm. every time how grateful after all these years they are to that man it it was because it was the person in real life and the actor that played them walking up, right? And like that's the pairs that, mm. yeah. Except for for Stern, he wasn't. I think. Well, he was already gone, but yeah. he was with his, with his wife. wife. Yeah, Ben Kingsley. Was ben with Kingsley his wife. Was, was with his wife, and that's that's what actually gets me every mm. time. And 
I also really like the the really wide shot of the whole group in a line. Oh, that's so beautiful. It's, it's great. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, transitioning from from then to now. Mm-hmm. It was so it, that's like that hope, right? It's the it's it's the light, it's what you need at the end of this movie where you just see pe- person after person just shot in the head or shot in their hospital bed and mm. Oh yeah, the mercy, the the mercy the of mercy the doctors killings, uh, yeah. killing killing the infirmed, so they don't get you know shot or suffer pain. Um, yeah, the, it, there's so many images in this film there. The uh, after they kill the man with the with only the one arm and the blood like goes into the snow and the camera pans down and the um the road made of of tombstones. Mm-hmm. Um, what a horrid thing! How how demented do you have to be to tear up the markers of dead people and use them for a road? How, how uncaring and and how it, it it just kills me! It just kills me every time. Every time I've watched this, that road has just it it infuriates me and it makes me question um the Nazis thought that the Jews weren't human and I I think that the Nazis aren't human. I think anyone that can take take a life with no consideration um for the person or or anything is is not human. They're they're something else. They aren't human. I think the fact that Schindler lets them all just leave spoke a lot about who Schindler and who the his workers were as people you know how how could you not how could you spend years of your life just being completely diminished as a person as a human being and not feel some sort of rage for them you know the the war is over and they just leave to go and Schindler just lets them leave to go home to their families and I don't, I don't know. I can't imagine not feeling some sort of rage and frustration. Oh, the the Germans, the Germans, the, the, yeah, the, let's the, the Germans the leave. Yeah, um, you know, and ultimately, I think they're just happy to be alive, and they don't even care. And that going through all of that and not feeling anger and rage is such a hard concept for me to grasp. Yeah, I kind of, I kind of think, oh my god, they're they're just letting these people go, um. But if they would have attacked them and killed them, would they be any better? Right. I think it would be justified, but I don't think any of those Jews would have done it. I think they were that that's why it there were so few there were so few guards compared to the number of Jews because because they were they're a mild people. They aren't they aren't people that will will take up guns and, and act out in vengeance. Yeah, right. yeah. They are they are are religious based, morally um sound. Yeah, individuals. And 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 that's that's you know, that may be why they were taken advantage of and used in this way and killed so easily. Um because that's that's always a question that I have, uh, when or I used to have whenever I was younger. Like, why didn't they rebel? They were going to die anyways. They might as well die fighting. But the answer to that is.
because it, it's not in their nature. It's not in their nature to uh, be cruel and um, uncaring of human life. Well, on that note, let's move on and wrap it up with some quotes, I think. Time for some quotes. Let's do some quotes. Yeah. I don't have my quote. It's Jose's movie. It is my movie, and I have my quote. So, um, we talked about it a little, talked about it already a little bit, but the scene where where Schindler and and Sterner, uh, they share a drink, was really poignant for me. Um, and the the quote goes, or Schindler says, "Someday this is all going to end." You know, I was gonna say, "We'll have a drink then." And Stern says, I think I'd better have it now. And there's the tear rolling down his cheek. And, you know, it, they've both accepted their reality. They're what is going to happen. And, you know, to see Stern deny the drink the whole movie, and just for him to finally accept it and know that, 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 you know, that's the end for them. Like, regardless of what happens next, that's the end of their partnership, the end of their, their friendship. Yeah. I really enjoyed that scene. I think they really believed that Oscar was going to be captured and killed. I think, I think. And it is surprising. You would expect maybe the guards or something to turn him in right in. And maybe they did. Maybe that's why he had to pay more bribes and make sure that he was okay. Because especially running a factory that was making no, <laughs> no, no usable no munitions. <laughs> munitions uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, Remarkable what he did. Um well, Yes, my quote, I kind of mentioned it a little earlier, is when Oscar and Eamon are talking uh, when Eamon's drunk. Um, and Oscar says, uh, power is when we have every justification to kill and we don't. Eamon says, you think that's power? And Oscar responds, that's what the emperor said. A man steals something he's brought in before the emperor. He throws himself down on the ground. He, be he begs for his life. He knows he's going to die. And the emperor pardons him. This worthless man, he lets him go. And Eamon says, I think you were drunk. And Oscar says, that's power, Eamon. That is power. Um, I think that scene is not only powerful in the clashing of these two people and their views and, and, but I, I think it's really important to how Oscar views the Nazi party and the people that are in the Nazi party uh, and the capabilities of these men. Because right before this scene, you see Oscar talking to Itzhak um, saying, if the, if this wasn't a war, Eamon would be a great man. He would be a good man. It's just war. It's taking out the bad parts of him. He would he lo he would love women. He would drink. And then when Itzhak says, "Oh, he would kill too," and Oscar is, I think, very much trying to convince himself that no one could be that bad. <laughs> no one. If it could, wasn't for war, right? And he talks to Helen right right before that as well, and just and learns how awful he is to her, and. I think this is his last reckoning with himself that can a human really be this bad? Is is my friend Eamon really this horrible? And following what Eamon does after that definitely proves Oscar wrong. So I think that's a reckoning that not only he has, but I think everyone, even German citizens leading up to this war, were convincing themselves that Hitler is certainly not going to be bad for me and my neighbors he's not gonna because they didn't want to go war when he first came to power they didn't expect to go to war and and convincing yourself of that of your own truth of what this person is is so indicative of what happened in this time and i and i think that's a very important quote but 
Oscar and Eamon. Yeah. Brandon? Um, so I think, I think um, Eamon's first line wraps him up um, 100%. And uh, it's when he, he's first introduced and he's, he's uh, being given a tour of the ghetto um, by a soldier. And the soldier says, uh, uh, do you have any questions, sir? And Eamon says, Ja, uh, why is the top down? I'm fucking freezing. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, he's sitting there, he's sitting in the back, all scrunched down, and he has his hanky and his nose keeps dripping. It's freezing. It's it's the middle of winter. There's snow everywhere and the tops down and I think that um that sniveling little weasel of a man um I think that that just sums him all up right off the bat. Ja, why is the top down? It's fucking freezing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. Hear, hearing Rafe it, say "yeah" like that yeah. is also <laughs> pretty humorous. <laughs> Oscar Schindler. <laughs> he's, he's definitely that actor that plays a lot of dick roles, mm-hmm. and he's probably like the nicest guy on the planet if you ever met him. Oh, he's probably the sweetest yeah, person ever. He's yeah, probably. Yeah. I, I just got what you were doing. Harry Potter. me, Oscar I'm fucking freezing. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our uh, meme reviews this week. Jose, what you got for me? All righty. Yeah, I know you were struggling with this one. Uh, I figured it out on my second viewing, but I'm going to go with 17 out of 17 useless secretaries. <laughs> <laughs> there's one, there's one that's fucking kick ass. Yeah, yeah. But, but she's were... not in the final picture. Yeah, that they not. That she's not. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I went back and counted them. 17 out of 17. Oh, Oscar wants is, is girls. That's yeah. all he wants is mm-hmm. girls. He's so impressed by the one secretary <laughs> who can type a million words a minute and smoke <laughs> <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> Oh, yeah, speaking of that, I it's not exactly humorous, but I found it a little a little funny uh, when like the, the the cards come up at the end, you know, explaining like what happens after. And it just says Oscar failed in his marriage. And it's like, <laughs> oh, OK, yeah, that's not exactly surprising. Right. Yeah, but if you look at his if you look at his like Wikipedia page, his marriage ends when he dies. And there's no divorce there. What does, the, what does the movie mean then? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe hmm. she left him, but they never got a divorce. But she's I, there at the. She's there putting right. a rock on his. Right? I, I thought that was odd. I, I'd rather not leave that in because I was just kind of like, that seems unimportant to me. It right seems unimportant to the story. <laughs> yeah. To me. yeah, like, and of course he failed at business because he had no one to run his businesses <laughs> yeah. like he did. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, like everything that whole tidbit of information. I could have done without. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree. I agree. So, so yeah, you see this amazing man. Well, he's he fucking sucked. <laughs> he, he really after the war, his life really did suck. <laughs> Failed businesses, lost his wife, and then he died. <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. I just unplugged my headphones. You naughty boy. 
Uh, Brandon, what you mean? Sick of hearing us. (laughs) Um, I still say not enough dead Nazis out of one. (laughs) (laughs) I want more dead Nazis. Always need to be more. There's always has to be more. And I know you mentioned this in our group chat, but we got Inglorious Bastards somewhere in there. Somewhere in the mix. Hopefully we don't pull it out because I don't want to watch (laughs) I don't want to watch another World War II movie. When we hit that movie, your review will still be not enough dead Nazis. (laughs) (laughs) Never enough dead Nazis. I, I decided to just use my my original no i think that's very valid yeah (laughs) uh my read this review this week is zero good doctors zero forgiving priests priest but one very clever accountant (laughs) out of one (laughs) i love it zach zach is i want he's daddy come on let's go he's a very um He's everything I expect from from an older Jewish businessman. Very straight and narrow, prudent, um, down to earth. Um, but he was just going to town whenever he needed people. And, and go into town and and just saving people left mm-hmm. and right. You can't you can't get a job with this. You go right over there. Go right over to the drugstore. I'll meet you over there. Right? Um, just getting people across. I like Ray Fiennes in this movie, but I would have nominated Ben Kingsley for supporting actor over Ray Fiennes. I would have as well, yeah, because it was Liam Neeson for well, they should have actor. Both, they should have both been nominated. Mm-hmm. To tell yeah, you the truth. Uh, with and and I believe they should have split it. Mm-hmm. Actually, did did Ray Fiennes win? No, oh, they so. didn't win uh, the acting nominations. They won best director, best movie, best adapted screenplay couple others i'm surprised it didn't sweep every category it seems like the type of movie it won like costume and oh we didn't talk about it but john williams score in this movie Mm. Mm. fucking Mm -hmm. phenomenal yeah um i had written something about that i learned the piano piece to this without watching the movie you did yeah my my piano teacher gave me the sheet music for this this song and i i learned it before i even knew what schindler's list was there's a wow there's allegedly a conversation that Spielberg had with Williams about it because he scored every single one of his movies except for five of them, I think. Did he score the BFG? That's important. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, but so they finished the movie, like the editing and all that. He showed it to Williams and he walks out of the showing and he's like, I'm not good enough to make this to make the score for this movie. And Spielberg responded, yeah, I know, they're all dead. Like, he's like, essentially saying, you know, you're the best I've got. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just like... Like, his, his, I, like they all knew what this thing. movie like, was. Like, it's... None of them thought they were good enough to make this movie. Yeah, John, I would have had I would have had Mozart, but he's, but not he's fucking yet. dead. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'm stuck with you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, you can't. Well, Mozart was Austrian, right? Yeah, well, I don't think you From could Vienna, have an Austrian score this. Ah, it's too close to German. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the music. The music. Um, whenever they're writing the list out, oh, mm-hmm. like the list is is um is emotional life. enough. But the music during it, I think the music is what really fucking gets me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's that that emotional music uh, cue. 
for me, it's the music when Schindler breaks down right before he leaves. Like the music is playing in that scene and it's just mm-hmm. yeah. chills. Real review time. Um, 10 out of 10. I, I can't. We, we were talking about earlier during dinner, you know, it's I think Spielberg is a, is a really great director. But this is a movie that I think will stand the test of time and I think needs to be watched by as many people as possible. It's you can feel the passion and and the desire to tell this story in the movie, not just by the direction, but the the music, the cinematography, the actors. There's there's this desire to tell these stories and you can feel that they none of them actually want to be there but they know that it's their role they've been they've been given this privilege to have this opportunity to tell this story and i think it come comes across on the screen it's it's just a phenomenal movie i think yeah brandon um i'm gonna give this a zero out of ten no no (laughs) um a 10 out of 10 you you can't give it anything less because not only is the 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 story engaging from beginning to end, even though I, I, I look at a three plus hour movie and it just seems so daunting and the, the topic so heavy. Um, but really once you are into it and you start, um, you start letting yourself just feel the emotions that, that you're going to feel during this movie. Um, it's, uh, there is no way that that story and the cinematography and the lighting and the directing and the acting. And I mean, everything coming together in this movie is just, I, I, I'm surprised that, um, I did not see this movie and is maybe it's because it's a three hour and 15 minute movie in film school. I am surprised they don't show this movie every year as as examples of every single department's job and how it all comes together to make make something that is truly amazing to me <coughs> um for me i give this 10 out of 10 <laughs> um yeah no just mirroring everything you guys say it really is just um a haunting scary but hopeful movie and um really does depict the was that a gurgle that was my belly that was your belly <laughs> my belly said hi i'm down here <laughs> sorry i'm um, sorry i totally ruined your review you're good um and it really is it really is pushed along by just incredibly strong performances from everyone from having the most filthiest of a cunt in the world in <laughs> as the yeah. villain and um just Liam Neeson and um, Ben Kingsley, just every scene that they're in is just incredible. And following the the movie from the very beginning, I was, I was hooked just to, I just wanted to see what Schindler had planned. I, I, I was curious what his rise was going to be and what he was going to do. And then when things start to show the true colors to him um, and being able to see the experience of the people living in the camps and the ghettos and everything is, um, so important and so well acted to the point where it is it is so easy it's it's 
it's so easy to empathize in the situation and really it really feel um like you're seeing the true horror of what happened that it's not being it's not being um cleaned for you it's not taking things out it's it's raw it's real and it's um uh it doesn't sugarcoat anything yeah mm-hmm. that it shows the brutality mm-hmm um, it doesn't show the brutality on 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 a son of Saul scale. Mm-hmm. Um, but I it does that, show the psychopath mm-hmm. behind it. The killings in this movie are are far more brutal than Son of Saul uh, because you mainly see them. Um, but yeah. every every gunshot, like specifically during the ghetto raid, the man who shot on the floor, it just like such a pop, and it's just terrifying and. It gets you like mm-hmm. in the like in the stomach every time like you mm-hmm. feel it and it's yeah like it takes your breath away you see them and like they get shot in the head they're, they're just, it's not off screen it's mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah the violence is very um very there for everyone to see and I think it's powerful because they show that they don't sugarcoat it they don't do it off screen they don't allude to it they they show this is what happened to fucking people. Mm-hmm. And you should watch it because this is what happens to fucking people. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. There is one, there is one, uh, one shot that, that I think they could have redone. Um, when the boy runs away, um, they're rounding people up and the boy runs away and they bring him back. And as the guards, the guards have each side of him and then he's shot right in between the guards his jacket explodes in the back and it looks like confetti like just fly up in the air i think they could have redone that shot because it's it's a little comical and i'm not saying that death is comical in any way but but that shot to me oop, that shot to me and the, <laughs> I, need to, I really need to stop talking with my hands um that shot to me like just the whenever i first saw it i like i rewound it mm-hmm. because i was like what the fuck just blew up? And it was his jacket, I guess, blowing from the the squib mm-hmm. in the back just made it um made it like a, a clown gag. I didn't have a second thought about it, but now that you mentioned it, I can I can see I can see why. It, yeah, it is a little distracting because you don't really see that effect for anyone else. No, well. no, yeah. no. And it and it just like it blows up in there. It's probably like Okay, we got the shot. Let's let's move on. Right. Right. Um but it still it still was a very very powerful very powerful shot because me, yeah. they're they're actually shooting a, a child. Mm-hmm. And um, then um I looked it up so that the soldiers the first concern is you could have shot me. Right? There's no second thought at the, at the life that they're holding or that they were holding. The only thing that they care about is like they, I think they said, "What were you? What are you doing? That gun could have, could have shot me, right? That, that's all they cared about. Their their own yeah. personal. Well, yeah, because they're, because they're German. They're Nazis. Or, I, I shouldn't say they're German. They're Nazis. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because they were Germans at this time of of, right. of, of right. <laughs> history. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, let's time uh, to pick from the jar. Right. Yeah. Whose turn is it? Where's the jar? It's right here. Did we do it? We did everything. Uh, I think so. Yeah. yeah, we got real reviews, got meme reviews, got quotes, got right. a cool. that went couple couple burps, couple belly rumbles. Yeah, my belly went rumbly, grumbly, <laughs> yeah, a couple a of bit. Uh, uh, Mike slaps <laughs> <laughs> consecutively. Yeah, <laughs> quack, quack. 
Whose uh, turn is it? I think it's your turn. Is it? Actually, because what? last week it was my turn. Oh, right. You had him And stop. you drew yeah. for me. Okay. So I think it's your turn. Do it. I added a new sticker to the jar. Is it the... Uh, no, homers? that's been there. Is it the Homer? Yeah. Nice. There's Homer Simpson on our jar, everyone. Does that mean we're getting the Simpsons movie? We're wearing a wearing a welcome mat as well, that's as... a quality movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't believe we do this. this is if so we dumb. give Simpsons a 10 out of 10 rating, does that mean it's on par with Schindler's list? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next well, look- week we are watching Silver Streak from oh. 1976. Wow. Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor film. Okay. Yeah. I'm down. Set on a train. Hmm. A runaway train. That sounds fun. I've never heard of it. Yeah. Is the train silver? Yes. Excellent. It's called the Silver Streak, I believe. (laughs) Uh, Gene Wilder does blackface in this movie. Oh, (laughs) tastefully or not tastefully? That is for you to you. That's for us to watch. That's for us to discuss next week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, this this movie. um, This movie reminds me of my childhood. Whenever it first came out, it was on uh, HBO, not sponsored. Um, (laughs) And I used to watch it like all the fucking time. Um, And and that's when I really fell in love with with Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder. I'm assuming it's a comedy. Yes. Okay. It's a comedy. Great. Yeah. We need a comedy. <laughs> we do. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is the perfect comedy to follow this film. Okay. Because no one is going to like it. Probably. No, we're not going to like it. Uh, you're going to, you're going to appreciate the comedy, but it, it is, it is dated. I, okay. I think, I think I have the, the date. 76. Yeah. Considering yeah. there's 1976. Blackface in it, I would assume it's dated. Well, um, I mean, Tropic Thunder. tropic thunder is a little bit more than blackface though it's like black body (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. um but uh richard Pryor was a person that 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 pushed limits uh all throughout his career and um we'll, we'll have to see if he he wrote this i know he was one of the writers on blazing saddles um which is over the top racist um and fun, but but fun. It 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 pokes fun at that. Um, it's like a comedy of manners where it pokes pokes fun at you know the generalization that people give to the West mm-hmm. and and the societies of the West where the the robber barons just ruled everything, right? Um, and and this kind of pokes fun at the silly films that were were around this time of like runaway buses and runaway trains and runaway. So I hope I like it. I hope you do too. (laughs) We'll find out. I know I'm going to enjoy myself. (laughs) I don't know where we're going to watch it. That's that's another oh, thing. Oh, I'm sure it's on Amazon. (laughs) I hope so. I hope it's on Prime for free. I watched Schindler's (laughs) List on Peacock. Yeah. So did I. Uh So did I. Never used that platform before, but I actually liked it. Yeah, I, I was, I was, I always I forget was to check Peacock for things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do a search in, in Google, not sponsored. And, um, I find out where it's playing. Oh, also yeah, we're, we're not I sponsored by Peacock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I usually do, but I didn't see it under, for Peacock. But it totally screwed me on Ocean's Eleven. It didn't say it was on, <gasps> on Netflix, uh, on, on Netflix. And I bought it on Prime and then I got chastised by my little, uh, by my baby brother. 
Like, why did you buy this? Well, now you can watch Julia Roberts the rest of your life. Yeah, now I own. <laughs> you can Ocean's feel what Matt Damon feels every time she walks down the stairs. It, whenever I want a, a, a six rating film, that's the place I'll go every time. Um, if you go to Just Watch, the website Just Watch, it has all of the list of what it's streaming. Oh, okay. Does, yeah. does it have what's uh, streaming on OnlyFans as well? Um, <laughs> because I just want to watch that. Okay. You can, yeah. <laughs> only, only your channel, Blake. Only my channel? Yeah. Oh, only. shit. My, my, Tiffany doesn't know about that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> She's not a fan. <laughs> I was thinking about starting an only fan and just, just, just showing one toe. Okay. One toe. Provocative. Would you dress it up in like outfits and stuff? Yeah, but, you know, every once in a while I hit the corner of my bed and, oh, no. and, and my toe, you know, changes color. <laughs> but then I, you know, I'd be canceled because I'd then be your, your toe doing, will black, be doing black, black toe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, we'll, we'll watch uh, Silver Streak next week. Join us to talk about some uh, Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. And Richard yes. Pryor, yeah. A comedy duo. They were a comedy duo in the day. What What are you doing? I was going to say something. I was trying to come up with a joke about duo, and then I thought of like doo-doo, and then I realized that wasn't funny, so I didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, tune in next week. <laughs> we're stupid. <laughs>